Welcome to Meaningful Journeys, a podcast about pilgrimage. I'm Dr. Heather Warfield, and I am passionate about connecting humanity through our shared quests for meaning. In this podcast, I'll be talking with pilgrims and pilgrimage scholars. I will have conversations with people impacted by both ancient and contemporary pilgrimage journeys, and we will also hear from people who live at these sacred sites. This program is supported in part by Antioch University New England and the Meaningful Life Institute. In this episode, I'm joined by Mindy Moralia, who is the founder and CEO of Berkshire Camino. It is good to see you, Mindy. Great Thanks for you. being here somewhat early in the morning. Uh, I, I'd first like to start out by asking how you went from walking the Camino de Santiago to forming a business that's, uh, that has echoes of that journey. Uh, but it's in, in the context of being in the Northeast United States in Massachusetts. Mm. Yeah, I, I think at its root, I just didn't want my Camino to ever end. And so I wanted to create an experience where pilgrims would keep showing up. I, I recall meeting a, a woman who owned an albergue in Leon, Spain, and she, you know, pointed to her Compostela's, her certificates on the wall and said, I, I walked it however many times, I don't remember. And she said, now I'm done walking and now I let the pilgrims come to me. And it really sat with me. And I think it was one of my little seeds for why I created something. And when I greet guests for this experience that we have where we walk together, I, I acknowledge that they are pilgrims and that we have all shown up, you know, together in much the same way that you might you know, meet a pilgrim as you're walking on the Camino de Santiago. So, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's how it sort of nourishes me, but on a bigger scale, I was, I was so um, impacted by um, seeing how people connect on the Camino. Like ultimately for me, it came down to connection, connection to self, connection to others, connection to the nature that we're in and to connection to spirit. And so that's really the mission of Berkshire Camino is to create an opportunity for people to have that kind of connection. And of course, it's perfectly timed with our world today where we, we've had our connections cut down so severely. So what was it like for you to start a business in the middle of a pandemic that was focused on connection? Yeah, it's been an uphill climb. But, you know, it's just like walking the Camino. That's how I live my life. It's like, you know, the journey, as I said, never really ends. So um, I, I've walked the Camino twice. And after the first Camino, I was really, really certain that I was going to create some kind of business. I wasn't entirely sure what it was, but I, I observed that the infrastructure that exists, in, particularly in Spain, to support pilgrims is what makes this all possible for people. So the infrastructure includes the, the hostels, the albergues, the cafes, the people who transport the baggage, you know, your backpack, um, outfitter stores. And so I thought that the way to start this would be to start to build that infrastructure. And what we don't have here in the Berkshires, by the way, the Berkshires is a beautiful place for people that don't know that. And we have hundreds of miles of, of hiking trails and many more of, of sidewalks through towns. And I thought, well, the way to start would be to establish that hostile infrastructure. And I started you know, very formally working on that, exploring that, working through two entrepreneurship programs. And right before the pandemic started, I was coming to my reckoning with the fact that while I could make a case for the hostels, the financial wherewithal didn't exist for me. And so I knew that there was this opportunity to do experiential programming as like a next step. But when the pandemic happened, I decided, well, you know, here's an opportunity. I can offer this now. This is a way to get started. And it's having immediate impact on people. So I'm, I'm really pleased in the long run that it that it happened that way. 
the idea of hostels still is ruminating and, and I hope that there will be a time when we do also have that infrastructure. Whether I build it or somebody else does, I don't have to own it. I don't have to, to manage it. In fact, I don't know that I want to run a business that operates 24 seven, 365. Um, but I hope that we will have that infrastructure so that the Berkshires can actually be a destination where people in the United States or people from anywhere can go that is in the United States where they can have a, a pilgrimage experience. One of the, the missing pieces, I think, at this point uh, for, for your endeavor is that in, in Spain, people are walking towards San, Santiago or Finisterre, but Santiago is really that final point. And so this infrastructure has been created over hundreds uh, or over a thousand years, uh, maybe even before that, to support pilgrims who are walking or, or on horseback uh, coming across the landscape. So in, your, in, in how you're conceptualizing uh, the, the many routes that you are creating or formalizing, is there an end point for those? Are people walking towards a destination? That's a really great question. And it's something that I, I think about myself. Um, there is actually a, a destination along the way that's significant, which is Mount Greylock, which is the highest peak in Massachusetts. And on a clear day, you can see five states. You can see Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, and Connecticut. Um, and it's part of the Appalachian Trail. So there's some very amazing energy there. Um, in fact, J.K. Rowling in her Harry Potter series has identified Mount Greylock as being where a school of witchcraft exists. If I was a Harry Potter fan, I'd know I could name the, 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 the school. I, I don't know the name. Um, so that there, there is this south to north um, route that I'm imagining and reaching Mount Greylock is a peak experience although it's not necessarily the end because there's the other side of the mountain and there are towns beyond that. Um, but I, I'm looking at it more as the journey than the destination. It's about giving yourself an opportunity to disconnect from daily life and to go for a long walk and to, again, connect with yourself and, and others and be in this amazing nature that we have here. So just having that time to drop out and drop in is really what it's all about for me. And, and that's what it was for me when I walked the Camino de Santiago. Santiago didn't, Santiago de Compostela as a city didn't have all that much significance for me. It didn't from a religious perspective. It was about taking that time to be an in inquiry and to be on that journey. So I guess that's, it's the journey, not the destination is the answer. You mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that people who show up for the walks, are you welcome them as pilgrims. And I'm wondering if they see themselves as pilgrims before they get there. Some do, and some have no idea what I'm talking about. So we are attracting some people who have walked the Camino or who aspire to walk the Camino. Um, they've often found it through doing a Google, a Google search. It's come up randomly and it's caught their attention. And and they've wanted to come and be a part of it. Sometimes people want to come and, and learn from us a little bit about what it is to walk a pilgrimage and what it is to do it in Spain. Um, we have other people who just think it would be cool to go on this walking tour in the Berkshires. And their interest is really more just to get a sense of the local culture and the history. Um, and we offer that too. So we try to just meet people wherever they are, we're happy for all the people that are showing up. When we get to the point where the business is truly supporting multi-day journeys, which will be next year, then I think we will be attracting people who will very much resonate with the idea of being a pilgrim. They will already see themselves probably as that. Um, and I'm, I'm making peace with the fact that in order to operate a business that becomes viable, not everyone will be a pilgrim and, and maybe that's okay. In your mind, what is the difference between either a hiker and a pilgrim or between a pilgrimage and a hike? Mm. 
it starts with intention, right? So when we lead people on a Berkshire Camino experience, we explain to them that we see it as having three very distinct moments along the way. One is we set an intention and we share that intention. We walk at the speed of curiosity and we, and I'll, I, I'm happy to speak more to that after, but that's about just being very present minded. And then the third is to unburden, to leave something behind, which is inspired by, you know, when you, on the Camino Frances, when you reach the Cruz de Ferro moment where you've carried your rock from home and you imbue it with some kind of um, burden or something that you just want to leave behind. So we replicate that experience on our longer walks. We have some walks that are shorter that, that we don't do that, that are more of the in-town walkabout. Um, but on the longer walks, um, we create that that structure so that it's not just a hike. But while we're hiking, yeah, we're, we're aware of nature. We might be identifying some plants. Um, you know, we might be looking at some beautiful vistas and of course, feeling the, the physical experience of hiking, you know, on that route, sometimes up and over mountains. But I think that's really the difference. It's the intention, curiosity and unburdening. And you or one of your guides is accompanying people as they walk. That's right. That's right. All of our walks are and hikes are guided. Um, and again, that's something that I really wrestled with as I thought about this. It was part of why I rejected the idea of starting an experiential business in the beginning, because I walk the Camino de Santiago solo. Um, I've done it twice and I didn't work with a tour company and I, I see the, the purpose and role that tour companies can play to make it accessible for, for some people, but the vast majority of people don't use a tour company. So here I am now creating a tour company. So I still have a little bit of a, um, you know, inquiry around that. Although it's, you know, in Spain, you can uh, follow the arrows, you can follow the markers, you can use apps and guidebooks, and you're following the flow of, many other people. You could show up without any of the technology, any of the written material, and you probably wouldn't get lost. You know, if you do it the right time of year and you're, you're following the crowd. Um, but with what we're doing, we're not following a specific route. You know, to be clear, Berkshire Camino is not a hiking trail. It's not a specific route. It's um, open to um, change over time. We are using other organizations, um, trails and land, and we acknowledge that land that, that we're using. So you need a guide, first of all, to help you navigate it, at least right now. Um, and second of all, the majority of people need some um, guidance to have a mindset about this, this pilgrimage mindset. You know, people who are walking the Camino de Santiago show up with that, right? They've been probably aspiring to do that for some time. But people who, as I said, the majority of the people who are coming to Berkshire Camino might not even know about that. So we're, we're, we're introducing it to, to a new audience. How many uh, routes do you currently uh, uh, facilitate walks on? Yeah, right now we have um, seven routes that are anywhere from five miles to about eight miles. They are generally um, consecutive, um, moving from the southern part of this region toward the north. There are gaps in it. Um, we're filling in those gaps as we go. This is definitely an iterative process. It doesn't all exist yet. Um, and I've also found that there are times when people just really do wanna go on a, a hike with us. So we, we do that as well. And we'll use routes that are not necessarily uh, bound by what we do when we're doing the Berkshire Camino walks. Um, and as I mentioned a little bit before, we do walkabouts in town centers because when you walk the Camino de Santiago and you're walking from town to town, part of the experience is the arrival in a town and learning about where you are, getting a little bit of a sense of the history, probably scoping out somewhere to do a little resupply and have a meal. So when we do these walkabouts, which are usually about an hour, 
we're, we're emulating that kind of experience. So it's like the connector pieces to the longer routes. How many people on average uh, in one month uh, are, are walking with you? Mm. Well, you know, this is new. So this is, this is a little, little hard to say. It's not as many people as I wish and, and hope, you know, we will attract more people over time. Um, July and August are a busier season in the Berkshires. This is a major cultural season or, or, or destination. And that season is July and August. So there's just more people here then. So we saw quite a lift in July and August. Um, and I'd say, gosh, for the month, probably 40 or so people each month, maybe 50, you know, I'm not satisfied with those numbers. I want it to be more, you know, our capacity on most of the walks are usually seven people simply because I have a van and we transport people to one end where we start the walk, right? Cause it's, it's a linear journey as opposed to a loop whenever possible. And so that's the capacity that I have in the van. And I think it also creates a nice intimate group, but we rarely have seven people. We might have one people, we might have three, four. So, so the, the, the group walks together then for the entirety of the journey. Yes, they do. Yeah. Uh, what was important? You've probably had many walking experiences or hiking experiences or pilgrimage experiences, even beyond the Camino. And yet for this endeavor, you've drawn from your pilgrimage experiences. And I'm curious what was so important. You mentioned the connection piece and, and I want to explore that a little bit more. What was so important about the, your Camino experiences that you thought it, that it in some way needed to be replicated or the, the rituals needed to be replicated in a different geographical area? I love that question. I think, I think when I was walking the Camino de Santiago, I, as hard as it is, I felt the most alive that I've ever felt. And it felt like there were possibilities to live in peace in the world and for other people to live in peace. I feel like I have such little impact on, on the world in, in that way, but yet I know I do have impact. I know every single person puts their little bit of energy into the, into the field, into the pond. And so by you know, having this experience where people might come together and feel that little bit of possibility, a little bit of hope, um, I, we're seeding that each time. And you know what, it's, it's happened every single time, every single time. There are times when I don't actually go on the walk, I don't lead it, I have other guides, because it's more than I can physically do. Um, physically, just in terms of doing all the walking, but also I'm, I'm building this business. And I also think it's more fun to have other people, you know, being a part of this. And it pains me to drop them off and say goodbye and not be a part of the walk. Um, just this last Sunday, we had two guests that showed up that were so excited about the Camino de Santiago, one who has walked and one who aspires to and oh my gosh, if I, if I wasn't so tired from the day before, and if I had the right gear on, I probably would have just spontaneously gone with them because I just wanted to be a part of that energy. And I've heard that they had a really great walk. What types of rules do you have for the group or maybe not rules, but guidelines for walking? Mm. Yeah, there are some guidelines. We ask them to silence their phones and to use it only for taking pictures if they'd like. Uh, we ask them to, uh, you know, be open-minded and present. We ask for confidentiality in the group because there are times when people do share things that are, you know, quite personal and significant to them. One of the metrics that I have that I don't like to tell guests about is that when we get tears, I know that we've done something right. 
you know, because people are really touching something that's meaningful to them. And uh, that happens a fair amount of time. Um, we also, I, I have trained my guides to not uh, ask questions that are related to the person's daily life. So the first thing we would never say is, so what kind of work do you do? Or do you have kids? Or, you know, are you married? We don't ever ask those questions. Guests may ask those questions of one another. Um, we try to change the conversation a little bit when it gets too caught up in that, or if it gets too caught up in, where do you like to go for dinner in the Berkshires? Or did you see this show? <laughs> Sometimes that's what people want to talk about. But I feel like we're missing the opportunity here. We're missing the opportunity to really touch something deeper or maybe just to connect with nature and get that, that hit from being in the woods, right? That just helps to reground us and feel better after we finish the walk. So those are pretty much the guidelines. Coming from a mental health background, it sounds like part of the, part of the idea with the walks uh, resembles a bit uh, of a group therapy paradigm. I mean, even the number of people walking together and the guidelines for, for the group. And I'm wondering if that was intentional. I don't know what your background is beyond this. If you have a, a background with psychology or mental health, but it certainly sounds familiar to me. I thought it would. Yeah. I don't clinically or from an education perspective have that exact background. However, I did work at a, um, at the, at North America's largest yoga retreat center. And, um, I work there as a researcher. I was a qualitative re researcher and I know you and I have that in common. Um, was so thrilled when I realized that there's someone doing the kind of work that you're doing. I'm so pleased and look forward to following your work over time. And um, so I learned a way of being in the world, a way of structuring programming, even the way that I talk people, like the languaging that I use, people will sometimes say, huh, you sort of sound like you used to work at XYZ. And I'll say, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it, it becomes part of, of my cellular being. Um, I, I employ mostly yoga teachers, not intentionally really, but they do come with a, a, a presence about them and a way to facilitate groups and a, a language that I like that's just very welcoming uh, hopefully as non-judgmental as possible um, and create safety. So yeah, I am, I am using that experience that I had creating programming and researching the impact of that programming and understanding what elements create safety and um, help people to relax and open up to something that's new. So yeah, I, I'm definitely drawing from that. There's pretty solid research that is, uh, I mean, it's emerging because so many people are spending time outdoors uh, and even my own research uh, on, on pilgrimage that shows there are many transformative uh, experiences that happen on pilgrimages. And, and th there's two things that you've mentioned actually that, that I have uh, heard before and I've written a bit about it. Uh, one of those is, of course, being in nature and in, in the natural um, surroundings and connecting for many times for people who are used to being in urban environments and they are in now uh, a more rural environment where they can connect with the sky and trees and rocks and flowers in a different way than in their norm normal everyday life. And, and then secondly, the connection with other people where the conversations somehow are deeper and, and less superficial than meeting a stranger in those conversations that we have. So I've heard you talk about both of those. And I think that that's right in line with what pilgrims report as being critical for a, a transformational experience. I do have some questions for you about the nuts and bolts of, of the business. And also, um, I've been having conversations probably around the last six months 
I'm really interested in new pilgrimage routes that are, I mean, they're popping up all over the world and either they are being, they're, they're pathways that are revitalized. It's a new perspective on uh, a road or path that already exists in connecting sites in some way, or it's kind of almost organic. And these, these pilgrimage routes, like what you're talking about with Ber the, the routes with Berkshire Camino are sort of organically emerging and then they take on meaning with time. And the question that I have for you is around the infrastructure that you're talking about and the hostels or restaurants or cafes that might be required for multi-day pilgrimages. And I think we're in a time right now where pilgrimage journeys are uh, very prominent. And I wanna say faddish in some ways where people are rediscovering pilgrimage or seeing pilgrimage in a new way or even reclassifying journeys as pilgrimages whereas maybe they wouldn't have even five years ago. So the question is about the infrastructure that would emerge for this type of pilgrimage route, what happens when pilgrimages are no longer faddish? Can the local economy sustain the, the, the accommodations, the restaurants, uh, the pilgrim services beyond this period of time when pilgrimage seems so promising? Mm, I've also observed how there are new routes that are, are popping up. I think, you know, what I'm inspired to do is, is not unique um, and creating the opportunity for people to access uh, this experience maybe closer to home or, or in some cases, you know, to travel, a, you know, a distance for it because it's in a whole different environment um, with different history, I think is exciting. Um, in the case of the Berkshires, it's, um, you know, for people that don't know, it's located in Western Massachusetts. It's about equidistant between New York City and Boston. Um, there has been a, a long history going back more than 100 years of people coming to the Berkshires as a um, place of, you know, relaxation. Um, I had mentioned before that there's a very deep cultural infrastructure in the Berkshires. So live dance, theater, music, the Boston Symphony Orchestra spends their summers at Tanglewood. So there is a very deep uh, cultural and tourism infrastructure that exists already. There are uh, lodging places and restaurants. This all exists already really to support that. Um, so if Berkshire Camino was to have a short life, um, leaving would not have any negative impact on the area. It's not like all of a sudden people would stop coming and staying in the lodging places. What does exist here is geared toward um, people who are looking for a little more pampering, a little more luxury, and it's quite frankly expensive. Um, and a huge barrier to me creating multi-day journeys is that there's one end of the spectrum or, or the other. There's very beautiful, old, expensive B&Bs that may cost $300, $400 a night easily. Um, and then there's motels that have you know, seen better days that still yet in season could be over $100. Um, so there's this real disconnect with the lodging. That's why I do see there is this niche for hostels. Um, and I think, I think that there is an audience of travelers who are coming to understand, particularly people who are younger, uh, millennials um, and, and uh, Gen, uh, what are we up to, Z, um, who are clued into the fact that hostels are a pretty cool way to travel um, and have a different mindset about what those accommodations are like. And uh, I think that having that kind of lodging here in the Berkshires would be a benefit, whether or not Berkshire Camino is here or there were AT through hikers that were coming through. Um, but I, I think that uh, 
by having that, that's the missing piece that would enable pilgrimages, multi-day journeys here in the Berkshires to actually take hold. Otherwise, it's really cost prohibitive. And that pains me. I want this to be something that many people can aspire to do. That's one of the things that I love about the Camino de Santiago. Even if you have very little means, you can do this. And um, I'm looking for a solution to, to prevent this being something that's only for a very privileged few. That is the argument that some make about pilgrimage in general, particularly uh, in, in, in Europe, uh, is that for people traveling to Europe, it's a different situation where people in some places can literally walk out their front door and be on a, on, on a trail and, and walk. But this idea of uh, pilgrimage being reserved for a certain class of people. And I think that there is, particularly in the United States, we don't think about pilgrimage as being something local, although we are now because of the pandemic and local pilgrimage uh, journeys and trails and routes are, are that have always been there. People are using in a different way. I've become aware of, of many over the past year that I didn't even know were close to where I live just because my focus was outside the United States um, in many ways. What, I, I'm curious actually, uh, and I, you know, I don't wanna put, put you on the spot because you didn't prepare for this question, but I'm curious about, there's a lot of very beautiful indigenous heritage um, in the Northeast and particularly around mountains that have certain energy. And so I was wondering if you had, if you were familiar if with the older history um, of this mountain that you mentioned, Greylock, Mount Greylock, if, if you knew any more about that and, and the maybe the indigenous history and connection to that mountain. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, I was hoping that there would be an opportunity to weave this in because this is quite significant. There is a layer of the experience that we're bringing, which I call the Berkshire narrative. And um, it is evolving because I'm continuing to do my own personal research to, to learn and to document this and then share this with my, my crew who, who leads these, these walks. We lift up the stories of the Mohicans who were the indigenous people who lived on this land. Uh, they were forcefully removed from here in the late 1700s. And today they're known as the Stockbridge Muncie community. We, and they live in Wisconsin. We not only uh, speak a land acknowledgement statement when we start each walk, but we look for opportunities to educate guests on the story, their story the, of the Stockbridge Muncie community. Um, and that's something I could talk about much more extensively. And for the sake of time, I'll, I'll leave that there, but know that 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 is very much an awareness. We also are lifting up the stories historically of various generations of people who, who discovered the Berkshires. There is a, an energy here that people are trying to put their finger on. There's a reason why so many different spiritual communities have settled here over the years. There's a reason why um, in the Gilded Age, the you know, the aristocracy from New York City, who had also built their homes in um, um, Newport, Rhode Island, looked to the Berkshires as being their Newport of the North and built um, what they called cottages, which by our standards are, are mansions. They are dotted throughout the area. Many of them are gone, but some of them exist. And I have very intentionally routed our walks so that we, we, we touch on those places. Um, one of those places I actually walked through yesterday, which is called Chesterwood, which is a Gilded Age home and, and art studio of Daniel Chester French, who is one of the most prolific sculptors in American history. And he's best known for the seated Lincoln Memorial in Washington, DC. Um, and so we, we tell the story about Daniel Chester French and, and we have arrangements and literally written agreements with places like Chesterwood, um, places like Edith Wharton's The Mount, which is another one of these uh, institutions. Uh, she was a writer, first woman 
to win the Pulitzer Prize. So we're we're telling these stories as well because we're walking through these places. We're not in the woods the whole time. I found ways to to create woodland access whenever possible. Um, but we do actually walk down main streets in towns. We we connect one town to another, and we talk about the difference between let's say the industrial uh, working class history of Lee, Massachusetts, which at one time had 25 paper mills in this tiny little town, um, and Lenox, which is where the Gilded Age, um, you know, really spawned, and the tension between those two sides of the same coin. So there is very much this weaving through of this Berkshire narrative. And I look to uh, deepen that and share more of that as time goes on, because it's not just a walk. It's there is something about this place. And I don't think that anyone, well, there are many people who have put the history of the Berkshires together, but I don't know of anyone who's combined that with this walking journey to experience it. One of the, the aspects of pilgrimage that can be so significant for the pilgrims is interacting with local people and or having serendipitous experiences that are just, they're simply unplanned. And I'm wondering how your guests have those experiences while they're walking in the, in the group, if at all. Do you meet with local people? Is there some level of spontaneity that happens? Uh, and and how do you, because I can imagine you are, you've walked the Camino twice. I can imagine that's in your consciousness. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'm wondering how you plan to bring that into the Berkshire Camino experience. The serendipitous connections tend to happen within the group. And I even seed that idea for people that if they are aware that there's probably some kind of connections and that we will discover it if we share with one another, um, that is also part of how it all happens. Um, and it happens a lot. <laughs> uh, we'll sometimes do some kind of a, a little walking exercise where we'll, we'll maybe be mindful of something and then we'll stop and we'll share what comes to mind. And I tell people, if you're willing to share a little bit, it may spawn a memory or an awareness for someone else. You may not realize that what you say could be really opening up a door to healing for someone else. And I've, I've seen it happening. Um, and so we look for that connection really more within the group. I think when we have multi-day journeys and guests have time where they are on their own, either as individuals or with other people that are on the journey with them, where they're in towns, where they're engaging, you know, with locals and restaurants and walking down the street, that more of that may happen. But right now, it, that we're not creating the opportunity for that yet. Um, but I expect that it, it will, because spirit just finds its way. So if I interview you next year at the same time, what do you hope will happen? Where will Berkshire Camino be in 2022, September? I really hope that we will have uh, implemented a number of multi-day journeys and that it will be creating a name for itself of, of being a really unique experience that, that people can have. Um, for me, it's really ultimately all about that. I'm grateful for the people who come for the one hour walks or the, you know, the, the five mile walk, but I'm really aiming to create this multi-day experience for people. And I thought I was going to take my first step in that direction this year and decided I was biting off more than I could chew. And also with the just perpetuation of the pandemic, it felt like it was too much of a risk. And in now in hindsight, I'm, I see that it was the right thing to, to hold off on that and to look toward next year. So I really hope we will have, have done a number of these uh, multi-day journeys and that that really feels like it's, it's sticking. 
From a personal standpoint, you mentioned that you did not want the Camino to end and Berkshire Camino was one way that you've been able to continue your Camino. And I'm curious about the, what are the top, uh, the, the top ways that your Camino has continued by being involved with uh, either founding Berkshire Camino or going on walks with people? What have you found that is really those uh, tether points that uh, keep you tethered to your own Camino experiences? Hmm. This is going to be such a spontaneous, well, the whole conversation we've had has been spontaneous, right? But I think my answer to this may be a little spontaneous and rambling, so you can help guide me a little bit. Um, the first thing that's coming to mind is when I do these walks, I, like on a given day, let's say we go out and we do, we had one the other day that was about six miles and, um, you know, at the end, you're hungry. You want that meal, just like you do at the end of a, a day walking the Camino de Santiago. Uh, I look forward to that feeling of going home and taking a shower, having a meal and relaxing in the, really the same way that I would on a typical day walking the Camino de Santiago. And that permission to just know that I've worked as hard as I need to for the day and the rest of the day is about rest and, and integration. And so it's a gift when I can have that. I love that feeling of exhaustion and recovery on just a, a single day experience. Um, when I take it to a bigger picture, this is where I, I guess I, you might need to prompt me a little bit to help keep me on track. Um, I'm able right now to live in the world on a day-by-day -day basis. Not to say that I don't have goals, I do. I have a lot of work to do. I'm, I have to manage how much, I, how much efforting I put in as a, as a solopreneur. But I feel like I've given my myself permission to step off of what I call the wheel. And I was on the wheel for many, many years. Um, and most of us are on the wheel and it's hard to exist in our world, not being on the world. We need to provide for ourselves. Um, we need to earn money in order to have an, a you know, roof over our head, to have food, to be able to live. And I'm in a, an unusual um, circumstance that I put myself into where I have no income. I'm not, I'm not paying myself from this yet. In fact, I'm paying in every month right now to keep this business going. Um, I, I hope and I do project that there's a day when I, I can draw an income from it. I don't know if it will pay all of my living expenses, um, but I, I know that, well, I may have to go back onto the wheel, right? That's practical. Um, my hope is that by having this business, I will create an experience, not only for other people, but for myself that lets me live um, in that way as if every day is a journey as opposed to being on a wheel. I don't, I don't know if this is clear. Yeah, Some it of is it is, I'm just trying to form it myself, you know? It is clear it, when, you, when you talk about uh, the, the most some of the most valuable lessons or experiences you had in on a, while you were walking the Camino um, occurred because you probably gave yourself the same permission to get off the wheel yeah. and you could be present. You could experience life in the moment, the connections with other people, uh, where you were going to stay, the food you were going to eat. It was sort of really narrowed into one day um, and going through that day and I'm wondering, how are you going to protect uh, this? You've exited the wheel to create a, a wheel exit for others. How does mm -hmm. that not become routine then for you? Mm. How do you stay off the wheel or are you, are you creating a new wheel? I think I am creating a new wheel. I really do. I, I think about that. Um, you know, I've had to learn a whole lot of new things in order to, to, 
you know, market this business and, um, you know, creating the infrastructure that, that is the business. Um, although I, I, I'm having fun with it, but there are, there's been periods, particularly in the middle of the summer where I was feeling overwhelmed by it. And it's that same kind of overwhelm that you have when, when you're working in other jobs full-time, right? It's our reality. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have the answer to that question. I am aware I may be creating another side wheel, but for me, I, I'm, I'm motivated by the fact that it's creating an opportunity for other people to get that little bit of a feeling of what it can be to step out of the, of that life uh, off of the wheel, just a little bit, just to see that possibility. It's not like I'm out processizing saying everybody needs to get off of the wheel because in the wall, the world falls apart. We do, there is, you know, a, a way of how it all somehow in its crazy way works. Um, although I, I have visions of an alternate world that doesn't rely on as many wheels as there are. Um, but just giving people a chance to take a break is such a blessing for people. And that really feeds me. So who is the target Berkshire Camino pilgrim? Mm. Well, that, that parallels the people who tend to walk the Camino de Santiago. And in my observation, they tended to be um, on the older end of the scale, age 50 plus. They were, um, and that's not exclusively because there were people of all ages and, and there was also an audience of, of people, a larger group of people who were younger. What I say that we all have in common is that we're all figuring out what we want to do when we grow up. Um, I found that for myself and for a lot of the people that I met, um, who were from all over the world, something that we all had in common is that we were looking for um, how we wanted to live this, this next chapter of our lives. And next, maybe last, not that it's a short last chapter, but, you know, this awareness age 50 plus of, you know, maybe a legacy project. That's what Berkshire Camino is potentially for me, a legacy project. Um, and so that's, that's often who I see coming. Um, I, in particular, am creating an, an opportunity for solo female travelers that makes it easy, safe, and engaging for them to, to come on this journey, even if it's just for one day, um, as a solo traveler. So that's, that's my sweet spot. Can you tell, tell me just a little bit more about uh, the, the single or, or the solo uh, female traveler that you're envisioning or that you are currently interacting with and seeing um, as a pilgrim on the Berkshire Camino? Yeah, you know, often they have spent so much of their time and energy serving others, serving their families, uh, serving their communities, their employers, and they are eager for um, their own adventure. Um, they're eager to have time alone. They love the opportunity to uh, not have to negotiate with other people about what they do when they do it and having some time that's just really peaceful and quiet. And yet they don't wanna be completely alone. They do love to engage with other people. Um, and so, my vision is like the perfect multi-day journey with solo female travelers is that they're enjoying their time interacting during the day, but they also have permission when they're not walking to, you know, take care of themselves and have time to be alone and to not have to be engaging all the time. So, yeah. How can listeners find you? They can find us um, on social media, on uh, Instagram and Facebook. They can also can you, find us. Can you tell us those, uh, what, your, what, what the um, handles are for each of those accounts? Sure. So people can find us on Instagram at, at Berkshire underscore Camino underscore LLC. They can find us on Facebook 
at, at Berkshire Camino LLC without any spaces. And of course, our website, which is www.berkshirecamino.com. And that's where people can learn a little bit about what this is conceptually. They can look at the different routes that we walk. They can um, look at a calendar and see when we're offering uh, public uh, you know, walks that people can join. Um, and that's where they can actually book their experience. So it's all handled on the website. We've been um, offering private experiences as well for people that, that really seems to be um, connecting well with people, partly because maybe somebody wants to go on this walk on a random Wednesday and I don't have anything on the calendar that day and that's the day that works for them. And so we do it that way. I think COVID also has some impact on that where people wanna just be with their, their own bubble or their own family. Um, so we, we also offer that, that way to play with us. And as I said, you can do everything from one hour to something that's, you know, much more aggressive. We've had people um, as young as seven and as old as 86 join our walks. That's quite an age range. What's the most uh, meaningful uh, feedback you've gotten uh, about an experience of one of your guests? Hmm. People say they didn't know how much they actually really needed it. Um, and that they felt so free and that they felt like they sort of refilled their well, you know, their own personal well. They feel like they can go back to the wheel. They can go back to their family. They can go back to you know, the things that are a part of their daily lives because they've experienced it. And we are teaching a methodology that they can replicate at home. And we tell them that on the walk, this three-part experience of setting an intention, walking with curiosity and letting something go is how I'm defining a sacred walk. And you can do a sacred walk wherever you live, including on the streets of Manhattan. Um, there's a you know, a different experience that you're having, not being, you know, in a more peaceful, natural environment, but it's really a mindset. And so you can replicate that anywhere. So we're, we're encouraging people to, to take this and use it on their own and not to feel that they can only have this experience when they come in and walk with Berkshire Camino. Thank you for listening to Meaningful Journeys. This program is supported in part by Antioch University, New England, and the Meaningful Life Institute. We would love to connect with you on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, and Facebook, or by email, info at MeaningfulJourneys.net, or our website, www.MeaningfulJourneys.net. We hope you will join us next time on our shared quest for meaning as we connect humanity one step at a time.